Hello and welcome to episode one of the Restaurant Reservations podcast, brought to you by Square Meal. I'm Amelia Slaughter and in this series I'm going to be chatting to some of the country's most talented chefs all about the restaurants that have helped shape their life and career. From their early childhood favourites right the way through to their own restaurants. I want to know the places that have inspired their work, inspired their menus and I want to know where they go out to eat on the rare occasion they're not in their own kitchen. In this first episode, I chatted to the lovely Atul Kutcher at his Marlow restaurant, Vasi. Atul is a twice Michelin star Indian chef who has a number of restaurants under his belt. And as you'll hear in this episode, big plans for more very soon. I spoke to Atul in September as his summer of touring with food festivals was just coming to an end and he was about to launch his latest venture, a street food restaurant in Wembley. I hope you enjoy the episode. This is what happened. Uh, welcome to Atul Kutcher to the Restaurant Reservations podcast. Um, and thank you for having us today because we're recording from your restaurant, Vasu in Marlowe, which is absolutely lovely. And we're going to talk more about Vasu and your other restaurants a little bit later. Um, but before we start, I'm curious to know, you're a very busy man. You've got five restaurants, is it? At the moment, five. And at least five more are brewing. Five more? <laughs> so you're, you're, you're definitely a busy guy. Um, do you have much time to go to restaurants? As a customer to eat, um, I always do it with my family. My kids yeah. are super critical. <laughs> I really? They are my biggest critiques. So it's good to hang out with them. Yeah. Uh, and I think I'm, I'm the butt of joke for them. So oh, really? <laughs> that's good as well. So I, I mean, growing up with a Michelin star chef for a dad, <laughs> they must have quite high standards. <laughs> I think so. I think the mother, mother is quite of quite high standards. Oh, really? <laughs> More from there than from me, I would say. Oh, but I, I do tend to uh, have family meals and also... Uh, as a kind of socializing, if I have to invite somebody, yeah, we can invite at home, no doubt about it, but we want to show our restaurants as well to our friends and family. Yeah. So we dine out with them as well. Oh, that's lovely. It's a really nice thing to be able to do. Um, so we are going to be talking about some of the restaurants um, that have been kind of significant in your life, in your career. I want to go right the way back to the start, to your childhood. Um, so you grew up in Eastern India. That's right. That's right. Um, in And I'm going to get this right. Is it Jamshedpur? Jamshedpur, wow. Did I pronounce that okay? Good. good. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, what was it like in your childhood growing up? Did you eat out much? Do you remember having a favourite restaurant? So uh, it was, uh, the, the times were quite tough economically. Yeah. And, you know, India was still a kind of poor country, so to speak. My parents were uh, into food business, so... Food was never a problem for us, but going out wasn't always a great thing, to be honest. It was treat once in a while. So uh, to talk about the restaurants I went to, I think there are more street food I had okay. rather than fantastic restaurants that we had. Or one or two restaurants which I remember from my childhood, and there were no specific names. So people who made South Indian, beautiful South Indian food, and that was more with everyday food, to be honest, was uh, called a Madrasi restaurant. Yeah. Because Madras, and then it was called Madrasi restaurant. So we went to Madrasi restaurant often for beautiful Italy dosas. Yeah. Uh, and there was uh, a Chinese restaurant. I can't remember the name of it. And I don't know where this huge Chinese community came to India and what century they came in, but maybe they made India their home. And they were great dentists and great cooks. Yeah. So that's all I remember about <laughs> my Chinese friends. So they, their parents always had 
father was a dentist and mother was a cook so they were running a small restaurant next door yeah so i can't honestly can't remember the name of that restaurant but it was again wonderful food and it was always busy so the treats were to go and uh, play with chang and yeah. his mother will feed <laughs> so i've never formally ate in his restaurant but uh, his mother was always kind she always took care of you absolutely but street food was always 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 uh, the prime thing dad would come home from work we would go shopping mom would get busy with the kitchen work but had to do some more shopping yeah. for that day and the next day so we kids will look around with dad and go to market uh, and dad will feed us on pani puris and yeah. dahi badas and all that street food which existed i think salivate thinking about so it. still something that you remember so much now fondly and at what age did you start to show an interest in food in terms of potentially it being a career move one day so i i was a teenager by then and uh, my father was running a small catering business and i used to give him a helping hand and that was the era in india when everyone was running to be a doctor and engineer uh, my grandfather my mom's dad was a baker uh, so i had seen that side of the family into baking very well uh, and when dad started his business so i had another side as well so I naturally I got swayed into it. I used to give dad helping hand for these samosas, frying little things for him, uh, making a chutneys whenever he would give me a job, which I happily and very proudly would do. So I realized that I quite enjoy doing this. And uh, Indian families are very persuasive. They want their kids to study to the highest standards possible. My mother was a teacher. Dad had a catering business, but they were quite open-minded, and they always said, "You have to find your own path. We are not forcing you into anything." Yeah. So I told my parents that I think I want to go for hotel management, uh, and they said, "Fine, if you want to do that, but you know, just as a safe option. Why did you sit for medical exams as well? So, <laughs> as a backup. As a backup. Yeah. So <laughs> can't believe that was a safe option. So <laughs> I, I sat for uh, my medical uh, entrance exam, which wow. was done on a national basis. Very sadly, I got through as well. <laughs> uh, I was very disappointed that I got through because just in case I didn't get in hotel yeah. management, I would have to go to medical school. But luckily, I got into my hotel degree. You could be a doctor now. I could have been doctor. <laughs> We wouldn't be sat here. <laughs> um, so that's how it kind of all started. Um, and I want to talk about the first restaurant that you worked in. So I went to Chennai to study. Uh, it was being like in a new country. Uh, people spoke Tamil. Uh, they look very different because we we have so stark difference in features as well from north to south and i found myself gazing at people all the time <laughs> because i had not seen them before yeah. i they must have thought we are guys where you come from <laughs> uh, but slowly i got into the grooves of that part of the country and really absolutely fell in love with it the weather was amazing yeah. it was hot all day uh, there was sea yeah uh, there was fantastic seafood as well to enjoy Uh, but there was there were bills to be paid, and yeah. parents could only help so much. Uh, so I stayed in hostel, so I needed to supplement my uh, bills uh, to earn money somewhere. So I started taking up small jobs here and there. So I came across one of the alumni of my college who was uh, who had just opened a restaurant called Cascade, uh, and he was in need of kitchen porter come comic cook. So I took up that job. So I used to after my college, I used to go work there three days in a week, and I used to get paid pretty nicely and great food. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, that was the big bonus, and used to get to work with the chefs there. Yeah, so I perfected my uh, cooking, Chinese cooking with them. I learned loads and loads of stuff from them, and I think later on, in, I got hooked on to more cooking than anything else. So until my year three. 
uh, in the college. I continued to work for them. And that was, again, that time it wasn't money was not needed because I was doing okay. I got scholarship as well. Uh, but it was more to learn. Yeah. And I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, you instantly knew that this was the industry that you wanted to work in. Oh, absolutely. So when you go to hotel school, you have to, you're given four uh, parts of the study you have to do, which is front of the house, which is reception. So rooms division, uh, then food production, which is kitchen, housekeeping, yeah. uh, so cleanliness. Uh, and uh, fourth one was accounting. Mm-hmm. So after doing everything, I decided now I'll, I'll stay with the yeah. uh, food production and yeah. this is what I like. And when it came to year three, you had to specialize. So I went into food production. But that must have given you a great foundation to understand the industry. And now all these years later that you're running your own restaurants, you must have learned a lot of skills back then. Absolutely. in good stead. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's funny that I'm talking, sitting, talking to you today, but I was giving this talk to my teenagers because my daughter is choosing her university and was talking to my son uh, who, who will be choosing his university in two years' time. And I was saying nothing goes waste at yeah. that time. I, I used to curse my teachers that, why do I have to study accounting? I want to be in food production. Why do I have to do that? Now I thank them every yeah. day that I learned those skills and I, all I have to do is just recall my memory yeah. uh, and, and practice on it. And yeah. I, I knew it all along. It's just that I didn't practice it so actively, but now it comes to use every day. And then it was in it was in '94, I think, that you moved to the UK. That's right. What prompted you to make the move? Why do you think this was the best place to you know progress in your career? I, I always joke in my talks that uh, I think I've not paid enough taxes in India, so I migrated <laughs> to the UK to pay taxes properly. Uh, it was an opportunity. Uh, I got headhunted to open a restaurant called Tamarind. Uh, Mr. Khanna, who is the owner of family, industrial family from India, very well-renowned and very respectable, respected people. Uh, they came and ate at my restaurant when I was uh, cooking at Obroy Hotels. Uh, and Mr. Obroy was friends with Mr. Khanna, so I was introduced by them. And I, Mr. Khanna took liking on me and came back to eat several times. And one day he offered me a job and I said, does Mr. Obroy knows about it? He said, don't worry about him. He's my friend, I'll tell him. <laughs> And I took his work for it, yeah. took the job, accepted, came here, only to understand that Mr. Obroy is furious with me. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, I made my peace with Mr. Obroy in time, uh, but I came to Tamarind as head chef. Yeah. Uh, and I, I absolutely was stunned to see uh, what a beautiful country England was. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I had very little imagination about England. It was a country which which is there, and my father used to just say that sun never shines there. <laughs> well, I mean, that, he's not wrong there, to be fair. <laughs> what was your first impression of working in restaurants here? Was was it different to the restaurants in India, or actually, once you're in a kitchen, is it kind of the same wherever you are? Actually, the hospitality industry world over the same. Yeah. Uh, basic principle, the food production, the service. Yeah. Uh, the guest care, guest uh, satisfaction, all those yeah. things are very basic. Uh, cuisine can change, but the main fabric remains the same. It's yeah. the same soul. And and in terms of as a as a diner, as a customer, as someone eating out, what did you think of the restaurant scene in London? And how uh, did that compare to back home? I, you know, compared to India, Delhi was obviously quite vibrant and very cosmopolitan. Mm-hmm. So, and working for five-star hotels. After finishing my hotel degree, I went to work for Obra Hotels. They have about 48 hotels all over the world and some of the best hotels in the world. Yeah. So, and each hotel had uh, French restaurant and Italian, Thai, Chinese, so six or seven restaurants. Every hotel had a few 
and I got chance to work in different cuisines while working for them. So coming here and looking at how more focused chefs were, people like Marco Kiawai, yeah. say Chef Nico Ladanis had just landed his third Michelin star that time when I came in. Uh, these people were stars and illuminates. And of course, I knew their names, but never met them. Yeah. And being in Mayfair gave me a chance to actually have a peek at their restaurants uh, and see them once in a while, but never had courage to go and say hello to them. Uh, but slowly, they, they came and ate at my restaurant, and I got a chance to shake hands and yeah. to have a small talks with them, which was amazing. It was a great experience. And also, looking at how diverse London was uh, in 92, 94, sorry, 94, uh, we, we almost had every cuisine of the world that time. Yeah. Uh, maybe not at the level where we are now, but still it, it had started making changes and making waves. Yeah. So I was very proud to be in that part of the community. And very quickly I connected with everyone and just became part of uh, food yeah. scene in London. That must, have been, that must have been amazing for you to come over to London and to be part of, like you say, part of that change as it was developing and evolving. And, you know, one of the first Indian chefs to get a Michelin star. How did that feel when you found out? So uh, I found out uh, somebody called me uh, from, from a newspaper and said, as well, you've got a Michelin star. And I had a small kitchen uh, and a very small brigade as well. And I think I was, because I was on my own and uh, I used to work six days a week. I just wanted to be more and more at work. I was very focused. Yeah. Uh, when he's, this person said, you're, you've got a Michelin star, uh, by that time I'd gone on with how UK humor works. And I, <laughs> and so I said, yeah, next thing you're going to tell me, I'm, I'm the king of England. <laughs> so I hung up the phone. I thought somebody's playing prank on me, one of my friend chefs. Yeah. Uh, then this guy called back. He said, sorry, I'm, uh, I wasn't being rude or joking with you, but the truth is, yeah. guy has come out and we got a star and we want to send a photographer. And I just stood there holding that phone in my hand. And, and most of my kids are shouting, Chef, move, we need work, we need work. <laughs> and I said, no, guys, there is some great news come through. So when I told them, most of them were from India and they were good cooks, but they had not had this idea about Michelin star. Yeah. Was. So they were like, yeah, okay, great, but let's get on. With it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. we got work to do. So I ran to the dining room and told my GM, who, who, who had of Indian origin, but he had lived here for long enough to understand what Michelin star was. I told him we got a Michelin star. He says, we got a busy service tour. No time for jokes. Get back. So nobody was ready to believe me. Yeah. And I told them, no, no, we got a star. Somebody's coming to take a picture of us. So then it sank into us. And I think I had that grin on my face for the next three months. I'm not surprised. That's <laughs> <laughs> been incredible. Um, now, I wanted to talk about, you know, you mentioned a few of the chefs that have inspired you, especially when you came over to London. Uh, but the next restaurant I want to talk about is the restaurant that you have been to that you most wish was yours. Oh gosh, many of them. Yeah, <laughs> not not one that stands out in London. Yeah, uh, I I think one of the most memorable meal uh, of my life has been in restaurant Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, uh, tiny place, very focused service. Every tiny detail met, looked after. I I think the guest uh, care and. The, the knowledge, uh, the style of service, I was second to none, to be honest. And I was very proud that you know this is in London and I'm part of London. And also um, that I knew Gordon that time. I still know him. Yeah. But that time it felt like, wow, I, I know him as a friend yeah. and a mentor. And it's so good yeah. uh, that he runs something of this standard. Yeah. And did that inspire you in your work as well? Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I got friendly to Gordon as I got my first star. Gordon had his third star same yeah. year 
And Gordon was celebrating his third star sitting in my restaurant with his uh, in-laws oh, wow. and his wife. So yeah. that was a very big moment for me. Yeah. I was congratulating him. He was congratulating mm, me. So it so was nice. very sweet. Yeah. And he wanted to see my kitchen. I brought him in my kitchen. He said, yeah, that's great. Uh, where's the prep kitchen? I said, shut, this is it. <laughs> he sat on the floor. He said, really? How do you do it? I said, well, this is all I have. You must have been nervous letting him in your kitchen. I've seen Ramsay's kitchen nightmares. <laughs> no, he wasn't like that that time. And he was, there were no cameras. So oh, well, that's all right then. That's all right then. Um, actually this next restaurant it might it might be a crossover and I'm interested to know because you do this so well but what is your favorite fine dining experience that you've had my favorite fine dining experience uh there, there are many in London to be honest but one which I cannot forget and I keep thinking about it all the time uh is uh 11 Medicine Park in New York yeah uh Chef Daniel Hunt's restaurant I remember I landed there uh, five o'clock in the evening. My table was booked for seven thirty. Uh, I just dropped my luggage at the hotel and ran for my dinner. Uh, I had no idea that they only do testing menu in the evenings, and that is seventeen courses. Oh, wow. uh, I think by eleventh course I was falling asleep, <laughs> but they kept me going, and they yeah. knew uh, that I've come from all the way from London. Yeah, uh, but that it, well, was one heck of a meal. I absolutely loved it, and keep dreaming of it. And was that was it just the food? What was the restaurant like? Everything. Yeah, the restaurant was spectacular. The service was amazing. Yeah, uh, the show they put up by cooking some of the finishing some of the dishes on the table, uh, visit to the kitchen, yeah. meeting the chefs, uh, being given the apple granita. That flavor is still fresh in my mind. Uh, everything. Everything. The whole, experience. Talking, the whole experience. The whole experience. All magical. Very, very good. And so for a bit of a change, going from the fine dining, I want to talk about your favourite pub food. And I'm interested, I'm always interested to speak to chefs who maybe didn't grow up here in the UK. Mm-hmm. What did you think of, you know, the pub culture when you got here? I absolutely loved it uh, because I lived on my own before my wife, I met my wife and married her eight, nine years later. Uh, I lived on my own and uh, on my days off, this was the best uh, entertainment for me yeah. to go to different pubs and meet people, chat yeah. with them. Uh, and I thought, what, what an amazing culture it is, to be honest. Uh, best way to socialize uh, and very civic way yeah. till it gets too rapid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> early on. <laughs> most of the time it was quite fun. Yeah. So I absolutely loved it. And food-wise, uh, everything, to be honest, you know, steak and kidney pie, yeah. uh, the scotch eggs, uh, fish and chips you can't beat. Yeah. Uh, all of these pub dishes are kind of there in my heart and I often try to recreate it, albeit with a little bit of spices, yeah. uh, but I love it. And is there a particular pub that stands out to you as doing food really well? Well, should I be biased about it? Uh, no, be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, near my home, uh, there's a pub called Hare and Hound. Yeah. Uh, and it's a family-run pub and they have been there for the last 20 years I, and I've known them. I absolutely love that pub. Yeah. And because it's local, I can walk down there yeah. uh, and meet my neighbors. Everyone is there. Uh, and I don't have to worry about getting drunk and driving home. Exactly. So. Perfect. <laughs> and what do you eat when you're there? Uh, I, I have eaten everything and everything. Yeah. Lately, he's got a little bit of, he's got poshness coming through, which oh. I admire. He's doing well. <laughs> uh, so about two weeks ago, I had a lobster thermidor there. Oh, lovely. And I don't know how he pulled it, but it was amazing. <laughs> amazing, amazing, amazing. But I love most there. I know everyone has said this many times, but I think these guys have got fish and chips 
yeah. properly done. And I've been in their kitchen. They do proper fish and chips. Proper, proper fish and chips. Yeah. Um, and we couldn't talk about pubs without mentioning Pub in the Park, which you've been involved in uh, for many years now. So if anyone doesn't know, this is Tom Carriage's food and music festival started here in Marlow but it's expanded to lots of cities and towns around the UK and this weekend it's back in Marlow yes. uh, for the first time since the pandemic what's it been like being back on the road back with a pub in the park team oh it's been amazing you know last year uh, as we were in pandemic and every 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 day that passed and we got closer to pub in the park, I was hopeful that we'll be allowed back. Yeah. And then that week will pass, I said, damn, we missed it. <laughs> and the next one will come and the next. So it was heartbreaking to yeah. not to be able to be out there, be with people, because this is what we enjoy most. Yeah. The idea of being pub in the park is to be in, in the field, meet your friends, eat a lot, drink a lot, party a lot, yeah. and meet a lot of new people. So I'm, I'm so happy that we could get back this year. And we have done eight of it at the moment. Uh, Tom said, we are doing eight of it. Are you up for it? I said, yeah. <laughs> he, he didn't let me forget that. Then. So we, we, we have done all eight. And I'm very proud that I have. And I, I felt very good doing all eight. Yeah, a tiring summer. Um, and I was saying to you, uh, last time I saw you was at Pub in the Park. It must have been 2019 when you'd just done a rowing race. Yes. It was your team versus Tom. <laughs> and you won. I won. <laughs> By a whisker. <laughs> have, have you been rowing since? No, no. If only if I knew that there will be another race, then I definitely would be rowing. You'd been training. I've You'd been, been ready. I've been schmoozing the rowing park people with the good food and, and then learning from them. But no, I, I wasn't told there'll be another rowing. So I, but I did uh, kind of got attracted to it, and I wanted my children to come and uh, do the rowing, which rowing club very kindly said, "Yeah, please bring them." But kids are teenagers, and they wanted to be immersed in their studies because they're into A-levels and GCSEs. Yeah. So maybe once they have done that, I'll bring them in. Yeah, you can, you can get a family team going Absolutely. for next year. We'll try. <laughs> We're just taking a brief break in today's episode to chat to Caroline from Square Meal. Caroline, what are you going to tell me about today? I wanted to tell you about Square Meal gift vouchers. They are the perfect gift for the foodie in your life. And even better, they can be redeemed at so many fantastic restaurants that have all been handpicked by our experts. Amazing. So how does it work? You can buy a Square Meal gift voucher online and it will be active within 72 hours of purchase. You can then email the voucher straight to the recipient or you can print it out using one of our templates and hand it to them in person. I'm going to go and buy one right now. Okay, so head to squaremeal.co.uk and select gift vouchers from the menu. And next up I want to talk, and I'm, I love asking chefs about this, and this is your favourite guilty pleasure restaurant, if you have one. Oh God! Okay, I, I should be honest about this. I you guess. should. <laughs> uh, for a long time, it used to be KFC. Okay. Okay, and I always liked. I still like fried chicken. Yeah. But I've just changed the tact a bit, and I, I started <laughs> liking Nando's more. Oh, okay. So, and good thing is that I don't have to go to Nando's; they deliver. So I can. And what, what is your order from Nando's? Oh, of course, all all chicken dishes. All, all chicken. All the chicken wings are my favorite. Yeah. Right there. And that too with the extra hot ones. They are really, really good. And yeah. I can have a bucket on my own. And nobody <laughs> disrupts me when I'm eating. <laughs> and you're, you're going hot and spicy. Absolutely. Every time. Um, and I wanted to ask, and I'm sure you get asked this all the time, because obviously you do, you know, Indian food, you do fine dining. What do you think of, you know, I, I mean, this is a contradiction in terms, but the traditional British Indian food, you know, the curry houses, do you do you eat in them very often? I do. Yeah. Uh, I, I like to uh, go and understand what they're doing and yeah. how they're doing it. 
Uh, I've done it all the while while I've been here since 1994, and I, I make it a point to eat at least good four, five, five times a year. Yeah. Uh, also to keep in touch with them, uh, also to tell them what they're doing and how they're doing, not being their teacher, but giving them a feedback. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I made great friends with them, to be honest. So uh, for a very small example, when I opened my first restaurant outside London in Bromley, Pittsburgh, there was a restaurant called Little India. And they were quite worried that we are opening a restaurant here and they were Bangladeshi family. So I, a local told me that they are very nervous and very worried that their livelihood would go. I said, I'll never do anything which will actually affect them. Yeah. So I went and met the family, sat with them, and I said, look, if you don't mind, can I help you with your menu? They said, yeah, we would love that. And I helped them devise the menu. And I said, look, you're, I, I'm going to do slightly modern in the restaurant. You, are, you, you have been doing what you have been doing, and your food is just amazing. Yeah. Just trim down the menu a bit and bring a little bit of more Bangladeshi classics, and I think you will thrive. And they have done incredibly well. Really? Incredible. I'm yeah. so proud of them. Very happy for them. Yeah. And that restaurant is still thriving, and I'm very happy to see them. Oh, that's amazing. I bet they're, I bet they're very grateful. They're good friends, uh, and we, we sit down together once in a while and yeah. eat uh, in each other's places. Uh, so, yeah, it's good. Oh, lovely. Uh, now, this is a big one. I want to talk about your restaurants. Um, we're sat here today in Basu, which is your second restaurant in Marlow, um, and you opened during the pandemic. That must have been incredibly challenging. It was very painful. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't know what, what I had done. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this jump in front of the train. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but nothing you can do. And I, I also knew that this pandemic is not forever. It'll go away. Uh, we have to endure some mm. pain, but we'll, we, we should stay strong and believe in what we do best. Uh, sadly, uh, Sindhu couldn't open because a uh, hotel would open uh, for takeaways. So I got my kitchen fast-tracked and placed the kitchen quickly. Builders were still working when we put a screen there and started doing the takeaways. Yeah. And the deliveries worked incredibly well, more than I had actually hoped to be honest. Oh, really? I, I thought, yeah, we'll do some, at least staff will be back at work and they will yeah. have employment and they will be not sitting in their room, six by four room and getting bored and uh, uh, not, not looking after their health. So at least they'll be at work. That was the idea. Uh, but we got so busy that I had to recall a lot of staff from furlough and said, guys, come back and help because I need your help. Yeah. Uh, and we were grateful that we were given that chance and opportunity. Yeah. But that also gave me hope that, you know, uh, we have to adapt. Well, I think that's it. And I think that's across the whole industry. It's been so Absolutely. hard hit, but we've seen so much, so much change. But we have seen people adapt and thrive in lots of ways. You know, lots, it's, a, it's a new stream of business. Some people yeah. have found, or some people, yeah. new people have come into the business and they have found their passion and said, this is what we want to do now, which yeah. is great. Yeah, it really is. Um, but as I said, that's it's just one of five restaurants. As you've expanded your collection, are you always trying to do something slightly different or are you kind of replicating what you've already done? I'm always doing something different. Yeah. So if you look at my career path, I came in Tamarind and my brief was to cook food from Punjab. Mm -hmm. and that's what I did. When I opened Banaras, I pushed the boat out and made it a modern Indian restaurant, taking uh, inspiration from pan-Indian dishes and turning them into modern dishes. Yeah. When I opened Kanishka, I went to uh, a northeastern part of the country, uh, which is called Seven Sister States, and they border with China, Burma, Bhutan, Bangladesh. Uh, so I took inspiration from those seven states 
and the food is very different to whatever I have done so far. It has got uh, techniques like smoking, salting, uh, eating raw food, so raw meat as well, like steak type yeah. kind of thing. Uh, dumplings, noodles, those things are not seen as part of Indian food and Kanishka's food is exactly like that, very different, very unique and there is no restaurant like Kanishka uh, anywhere in the world outside India. Yeah. So we were quite quite chuffed that you know we could do that. When I opened Basu, uh, idea of Basu was to go pan-Indian uh, because we are out of town now and I've left Banaras in 2018. So I'm trying to make it a modern Indian restaurant and that's where that's our path. So menu is very small and very focused. And we have, we have, we have succeeded fairly well in the last three, four months, what we have done. Yeah. It's just now that we are looking to change the menu. Uh, and I'm looking to actually squeeze the menu a bit more and go a bit more focused, more yeah. local. Uh, so we want to buy all our meats from the surrounding areas. And there are a couple of farmers we have befriended. Whatever we grow around here, we'll cook with that only. So it, it, it's, a, it's a different path altogether. Sindhu is a South Indian restaurant, so we track uh, the inspiration from four southern Indian states, uh, so Kerala, Tamil Nadu, Andhra Pradesh, Karnataka, and Telangana. So these, these states we, we draw inspiration from, and it's the spicing is very, very different. Ingredients might be same, but the combination and, and the sequencing is very different. So that takes me to final restaurant, Hawkins. Uh, that was one restaurant when I opened, uh, it was uh, going to be an English restaurant and we did open as an English restaurant, but everybody asked me the very genuine and the right question that why should we come to Atul Kocha's restaurant to eat English food? Very right. Didn't think about that. I thought business is business, but okay, <laughs> business has to have the right concept. So I changed the tact and went to make that an Anglo-Indian food. Okay. Uh, and there's a large Anglo-Indian community in India. Uh, and they're scattered all over the world now. So and I was always connected with them uh, through social media and went to school with loads of them. So connected with them and started taking inspiration. So now the new menu which has come up is uh, like beef cutlets, uh, railway, rail, railway lamb curry, uh, coronation chicken sandwich, but done very differently in the Indian style, uh, dishes called buffad, which are very Anglo-Indian. So they're classic uh, dishes which were kind of uh, grown or brought up uh, when English was, or British was still in India. So th that food is doing incredibly well. Uh, Hawkins, which was kind of, for, for me it was like a dying restaurant. I was really contemplating that I should close it down, shouldn't have it. Suddenly it has turned around and it's thriving now. That's amazing. And, and do you think, obviously, you mentioned there the fresh produce, the local produce that you're trying to use here at Vasu. Have you noticed throughout your career over the past 20 plus years, are you seeing a change in what customers want? Are there more of a need for that? I think uh, as we are growing up and you know, as we're growing up as a society, I mean, uh, we, we are becoming more and more conscious that what we eat and how we eat, uh, carbon footprint and all those things are always on our mind. So as people are conscious and uh, because we we are the medium, we. We are the ones who create the demand. Uh, if we do the right things, uh, it will propel us in the right direction. So I think it's a moral duty as well to, to stay local, as local as I can. And I try to do that. Sadly, for the spices, I can't do that. Yeah. Uh, but in England has always been the hub for buying spices. So I never, I've never struggled to buy good spices. So thankfully, the trade ties are very good. Uh, and it's a great distribution center. So uh, we, we, we are quite blessed that we are in England and we get anything and anything we want. But at the same time, 
whatever we grow here, uh, we should turn our eyes on that. And I think we should use that more often. Yeah. So you, you've talked about your existing restaurants. What is next? What are the plans? Oh, the next. Okay. So um, let's go to the casual dining side, which we uh, I have never done a casual dining place. This is the first time I'm doing it. I, outside India, I've done it, but in the sorry, outside UK, I've done it, but in the UK, this is the first time I'm going. I've always experimented with different types of street food and making them posh in my restaurant, but this time, taking street food as street food and selling it the way it should be sold. So uh, we have acquired a site uh, in Wembley Park, just outside Wembley Stadium, below Sir Bobby Moore's statue, uh, which beautiful restaurant overlooks the promenade, and it'll be called Masalchi. So Masalchi is a little guy from classic Indian kitchen who was a master blender. So he used to blend spices for all the sections of the kitchens. So and he's never celebrated as a little comic. So I, I took that role and I said, okay, we'll call it Masalchi <laughs> and celebrate that name. Uh, so that opens uh, end of October, hopefully, because crossed, provided I'll get my rational once I cross from Germany. Uh, but it will be all street food from across India, north, south, east, west. So casually eat, my budget is 15 to 20 pounds on that. Yeah. Uh, small menu, very focused menu, 15 stroke 18 dishes, no more. So a table of four probably will be able to eat everything on the menu. Oh, amazing. So, you know, perfect if you're going to a concert, if you're going to perfect. football, whatever, that's the perfect place to go before Absolutely. for food. Absolutely. And, and anything else on the cards moving Loads. forward? Loads. <laughs> so uh, from, from my restaurant, Kanishka, we have uh, two more restaurants coming out of there uh, called Mathura. They are much delayed. You know, it wasn't a uh, choice, to be honest, because of lockdown and the building restrictions and all that. We, we got delayed on that. So Mathura, which is a 180-seater restaurant in Westminster uh, on Greycourt Street, uh, opens uh, hopefully end of October, early November. It's much, much delayed project. It's at least two years delayed, sadly. But we are really looking forward to it. It's going to be a beautiful restaurant. And the, the name Kanishka came from uh, King who ruled India in the 2nd century BC. And his capital was called Mathura. So I, because I've got Kanishka, so a second one, I opened Mathura. And in his time, India was India had the golden economy and made friends with all the neighboring countries in a big way. And that too, more by love and commerce rather than uh, wars. So I looked into all the countries we had relation with. So it was Persia, uh, Afghanistan, a little bit of Azerbaijan, China, Burma, Thailand, Sri Lanka, so all those countries, neighboring countries were great friends of India at that time. So I took a menu, 40% menu inspired by these countries and 60% India. So yeah. it's going to be a very different menu again. Yeah. I think people are going to love that. And then again, another casual eat place will come up in uh, Heathrow. Heathrow. Terminal 5. Amazing. So it used to be Kaluji's site, yeah. Terminal 5, as you enter on the ticketing side. Yeah. Um, so Kaluji sadly closed and we were approached by Heathrow that they wanted an Indian concept and we were approached for that. So me and my business partner, Tina, we were in the lockdown that time. I said, uh, are these guys crazy? There's no flight. <laughs> <laughs> Why they want us? <laughs> okay, let's make a concept. So we went with a very quirky and really out there concept, very yeah. crazy concept. And they absolutely loved it. We thought we'll be told never to come back here. <laughs> but we said, no, actually we like it and we wanted to be here. 
So we, we are working on that. Hopefully by between November, December, we have to open that as well because yeah. as the flight numbers are going up, and that site is lying empty. They want something, some operator to come up very quickly. Yeah, that must be interesting coming up with ideas for food for travellers. It's so different to something like Vasu, isn't it? Absolutely. So yeah. as Vasu is more focused and that one is so crazily diverse yeah. and very different. So we are, we are thinking of what people, what sort of people, uh, what sort of food people can take away across the security. Yeah. So we are designing these beautiful thalis. Uh, so there'll be four or five small dishes and sitting on a tray and a kind of pizza tray kind of thing. Yeah. People can take it on the plane. Oh, amazing. Open it and eat it. Yeah. Uh, and then still dispose it nicely. Yeah. Uh, or wraps, uh, some sandwiches, yeah. uh, grills, soups, noodles. So those are the things which we are doing. So I think people will absolutely love that. Sounds amazing. So many, so many big plans coming up for you. How do you keep, how do you juggle it all? Because there is so much going on. So many different restaurants. You've got new concepts. You, you're traveling around with Pub in the Park. How do you keep it all together? I, I think it's just a matter of uh, making compartments yeah. of your time that I'm going to do this, I'm going yeah. to do that. So I think I have to run in a super organized manner. And thankfully, I have a great team and a fantastic business partner in Tina who keeps things organized around us. Yeah. And hopefully, we'll sail through. I'm sure there will be a few things we will fail on. Yeah. But failure is part of life. Uh, we'll learn from it and we'll try not to make it again. Yeah, well, many successes as well. Um, so the final restaurant I want to talk about at all, this is the tricky one, your favorite restaurant of all time. Wow, that's a big one. It is. <laughs> okay, so uh, this is a very tiny little restaurant. Uh, I don't reveal it many times because I don't want many people to know. Okay, so, <laughs> don't worry, I won't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> so it's called QP. Yeah. Uh, and it's in Calcutta. It's, it's in somebody's dining room, uh, somebody's house. And this lady, uh, I think her name was uh, Meena, Meena Dasgupta Pathak. And they were always a foodie family. And she, during the depression time, she started feeding people. They were, they were well-to-do families, so they would feed lots of people to make them feel better. Uh, and then later it became business for her. So the, the, they seat only about eight or 10 people uh, for each service, lunch wow. and dinner. And literally it's cooked from the kitchen which cooks for the rest of the house. So I, whenever I'm in Calcutta, I make sure that I book it months in advance because- Is there is there a long waiting list? Long waiting yeah. list. And yeah. people who know Calcutta well, people of Bengali origin only know this place. Yeah. And it's it's one of the best kept secrets. I've revealed it now to the world. <laughs> uh, but if anyone is going that way, gets a chance. And it's a very classic old Bengali food. Yeah. Uh, they cook with all local ingredients, all seasonal ingredients. Nothing posh about it. If you ask for cutlery, then you'll be given cutlery. Otherwise, you are meant to eat with your hands. Uh, food is just to die for. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. Sounds, sounds incredible. Um, Atul, thank you so much for sharing your restaurants you, with us. Um, and good luck with everything. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to episode one of the Restaurant Reservations podcast. And thank you once again to my wonderful guest, Atul Kutcher. Don't forget to visit squaremeal.co.uk to book your next restaurant and keep up to date on all the latest news and keep your eyes peeled for the next episode. It'll be out very soon.